This is the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, a podcast brought to you by two physical therapists devoted to helping physical therapists and other healthcare providers become better educators to patients, students, the community, and each other by interviewing prominent and passionate people within the realms of healthcare and education. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast is intended literally for educational and entertainment purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based on only one source, and therefore this podcast should not be used as personal medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure accuracy, occasionally mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. This is our journey on the road to becoming better educators, so get ready with your pen and paper as class is about to begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. My name is Brandon Poen and I am joined as always by my co-host F. Scott Field. And today we have two very special guests today. We have the two co-hosts from the pre-PT grind. We have Casey Coleman and Joseph Googie. What's up brother? How you guys doing? We're here. We're here. How's everyone? Oh, we're doing fantastic, man. How about you guys? We're doing very well. Great, great. Can't complain. Awesome. So, so both of our guests have created also the pre-doctor of physical therapy students group, which serves as a great resource for all students. Uh, but it's mostly for students deciding to pursue a career as a physical therapist. And they put out a weekly live video on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And they're two awesome and promising PT contributors also who have launched their own podcast called The Pre-PT Grind, which the link will be posted in the show notes, which is designed to help empower, motivate, educate, and guide future physical therapy students. Now, I was introduced to these two incredible guys through being a part of Greg Todd's Smart Success PT classes. Casey was in season two, and Joseph and I were in season three. And, and in fact, we actually had the opportunity to meet in person at the Smart Success PT live event in Clearwater Beach um, on Memorial Day weekend in 2017. And individually, these guys have done a ton already with being very new to the profession, and they're both incredible guys. And I'll kind of go over a little bit of their backgrounds here, and then we'll kind of go from there. But but Casey Coleman is originally from Chicago, Illinois, and he's currently a DPT student at Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And he'll be graduating in 2018. And he received his Bachelor's of Health Science from Andrews University in 2015. He admires the ability of the body to heal itself with an interest in human biomechanics that respects human anatomy. He is the co-founder of the Pre-PT Grind and the Associate Director of Social Media for NewGradPhysicalTherapy.com. And outside of PT, his hobbies include learning, laughing, music, and sports. Casey can be reached at his website, CaseyColemanPT.WordPress.com. And Casey, with sports, I gotta be, I gotta ask you a question. Yeah. White Sox, Cubs, or Tigers? <laughs> well, I'm originally from uh, the south side of Chicago, so I have to go Sox. Even though I am happy for the Cubs when they won the World Series. All right. Nice respect. Yeah, you got to appreciate breaking a curse like that. But at the same time, it, it builds character like in a terrible team. I know being a Mets fan, trust me. <laughs> well, I mean, that game, that series was just incredible, especially that game seven. Um, that's definitely one that goes down in history. But yeah, I mean, with me being from Illinois too, Casey, I honestly don't, to me, I really don't have one that I prefer. I, I root for them both, but so to me, it really doesn't matter. But cool, it was interesting. I was kind of curious to hear what your thoughts were, what kind of a fan you were. Um, so now I'll get on to Joseph, and Joseph Googie is a recent DPT graduate from Andrews University in Michigan. He actually just graduated, so holla to this guy. Hello, hello. He was originally born in the lovely country of Kenya on the continent of Africa, where he does hold a bachelor's degree in health sciences, along with his graduate DPT degree. 
His passions go beyond academics. He loves to travel both domestically and internationally. He loves sports with a specific appreciation for the L.A. Lakers. And most importantly, his family and God are number one in his life. Amen to that. He is also the co-founder of the Pre-PT Grind and the founder of the soon-to-be released Pre-PT Success Program. Joseph can be reached on his social media platforms as well as his website at jointpurposefit.com. Now, gentlemen, thank you both so much for coming on the show this evening. And now I realize that I kept your bios brief, but was there anything that you'd like our audience to know about you guys that I didn't mention? Man, there's a lot. Uh, you could say about Casey. Not much about me. <laughs> nah, man. Honestly, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for having us on the podcast. This is a pleasure. Um, but, but in regards to the two of us, uh, I know Casey can speak for himself, but I know uh, we're really just two young young brothers man just working hard uh to make the profession a better place um, i know with casey i mean he's always doing a lot of a lot of outside out of the norm uh type things whether it's jobs or uh being involved in other programs that most pt students would not be involved in and so uh the two of us are just really trying to push the boundaries uh really test the waters and see what we can do um and then look back on the profession in a few years and say well dang like we we helped a little bit in, in pushing it forward. So that's as much as I think I would say. No, I think I think you covered everything. That was that was perfect. And um, I thank you guys for having me on the show, and I'm excited to be here. Just uh, trying to do my small part and move the profession forward as much as I can. So excited to be here. Yeah, guys, I, I really have to say I commend you for what you're doing. I, I kind of said this, too, with the Duck Legs podcast, guys. But for, to be a student... And, and do the things that you guys are doing is really amazing. I mean, it takes a definite type of person, but it also takes a certain drive and that kind of outside-the-box thinking that, that you guys were talking about where, you know, you are getting involved in different groups. You are getting your, your fingers in different areas that maybe, you know, PT students wouldn't normally think about. But that's going to pay off tenfold down the line, you know, when your network starts growing in an unexpected way. Like, you know, it, it really just blows my mind that you guys not only have the time and dedication, but, you know, the drive to do all this stuff while you were still students or just brand new grads. I mean, so I commend you guys for that because that's awesome. But um, speaking of PT school, um, Joseph, with you just graduating and Casey, you having a year to go, uh, from your perspectives, what do you guys feel like PT school was or, or is really helping prepare you for uh, in your role as, as PTs? I think for me, um, especially now being able to look at the entire academic journey as a whole and then say, okay, like, what have I learned from this three-year process of being in PT school? I think for me, it just feels like, because I'm not going to lie, y'all, like, I felt like I was going to get through PT school and feel like I knew everything that there needed to be known about physical therapy. I could do absolutely anything. I'd be a Jedi and whatnot. But in reality, I feel like I just have... Um, the basic set of tools, if that even makes sense, um, to really just start my journey into physical therapy school. So I, so I think physical therapy school really does a good job of preparing you, yes, for the board exam, as most would say. But it really just gives you a bunch of tools and gives you a taste into these different avenues of uh, where you can go with the profession. And then it just says, well, here is the roadmap for you to kind of dive in. But you have to dive in to really become good or proficient at any uh, one of these areas, whether it's orthopedics, whether it's pediatrics, inpatient, um, neuro, it doesn't matter. And so 
I think physical therapy school really just kind of provided me at least with those tools, the exposure, obviously the knowledge base, the foundational stuff. But I really feel like like I'm starting now more than anything um, after being done with physical therapy school. Yeah, and, and for me, it's it's basically the knowledge base right now. I'm on clinical rotations, and I'm realizing that I know much more than, than I think I know. I may not remember the nuances from the concepts that I learned six months ago for an exam, but I'm able to competently explain injuries, rehab times, muscle actions, uh, tissue healing, etc. to the lay people out there. And, and also, I think PT school has, has helped me have more grit in general. So moving forward and whatever I do, I can look back on PT school and say, well, if I made it through that class or that semester or passed those boards, then how hard is it really to, you know, document, you know, patient notes or make a landing page or run a, or run social media for a company or something like that? So PT school is hard. And I think I'm much stronger because of that. I actually agree with that 100%. Yeah, I think, guys, those are some really good points. And, you know, to take one of each from you guys, Joseph, and what you said in terms of, like, learning the basics overall, I think is very, very, very accurate, at least from my perspective as well, because, and that's very helpful because, you know, when you get out working on your own, you know, you realize that you you can't be taught everything. I mean, school is a finite time and clinical experience, too, from rotations, there's a finite time. But if you know the material and you know how to apply it and learn from it to apply that clinical setting is very, very critical in the real world. And that's something that I've learned. And, you know, Casey, to your point too, about, you know, you feel like, you know, a lot of good stuff and it's, it's so true. I mean, you'd feel like you do a lot of stuff. I think, I think for me, at least when I came out, I kind of also felt like I knew some stuff, but I also didn't really know how to use it all necessarily for the best benefit all the time, if that makes sense at all. You, know, you have all this information, but you're like, how's the best way can I use this? So guys, what are some things that you guys think would be beneficial for DPT students to have in their curriculum to make the students better prepared for their role as a PT? I think, uh, at least for our program, um, just because of how it is structured, and I know every program has a different, has a different system, um, I would have I preferred um, a little more just kind of hands-on problem solving. Like, I feel like by the time I went into the clinic, it was more so like, we're filling you with all the, with all this knowledge and all this information, but I didn't really know how to apply it. And yes, that's what the clinical rotation is for. But I feel like if I had the chance to learn it in that way, um, in the academic setting, um, and learn how to problem solve certain case scenarios and whatnot, um, that would have been uh, pretty cool um, for me in order to be able to translate that to the clinic setting and being able to apply that and learning how to, you know, better apply that to someone who's real and in front of me and actually having a real problem rather than saying, okay, so anatomy class, this is what we learned. Okay, let me connect that to my neuro class. Let me connect that. I mean, that took too much time. And so obviously as time goes with experience, you get a little better, um, but that would have been nice. But I think also... Um, kind of knowing how to how to interact with like the business part of PT um, and so that could be anything from the financing to understanding how insurance works and all that other stuff I feel like we we were sheltered from that quite a bit as students um, and, and so 
and I know Brandon, you had mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier on, but I think we, we were sheltered from that just because we were students. Just worry about treating the patients. Just worry about this, that, and the other. And I feel like now as a new graduate, I feel like, oh my goodness, I there's a bunch of stuff that I wish I would have been exposed to um, that that I was not. And so um, I think as, as PT students, that would be um, amazing. So, yeah, I hate to do this, but I can't, I'm kind of giving the same answer as Joseph just because uh, I am in the clinical setting right now. So PT school is very book heavy and and it's rational because it's what they have to do to prepare us for boards. Uh, so in other words, if we can be a little more street smart, if that's for lack of a better word, I feel that PT school can be more beneficial that way. So, for example, today uh, I was in the hospital. And I was asked a question and I went uh, straight to my book knowledge and I gave this uh, big or I tried to give this big, elaborate, complex answer to their question when all they were really looking for was a simple answer like tone or weakness, something very simple like that. Uh, now, PT schools, like Joseph said, may say, well, that's what you're on clinicals for to get that applied knowledge or that street smarts. And that's understandable. But like like we said before, having that beforehand would probably help a lot more. Um, also, there is so much we can do in PT, and that's why I picked it. Uh, there's so much beyond the hospital, so much beyond the clinic. Um, we can go on with list and list of, of things we can do, but but just being, uh, just having knowledge of what's out there. We don't we don't even have to have a lecture and go into what you can do about uh, everything, but just having some basic knowledge of what's out there, so people are aware that. Um, PT has more to offer would be beneficial as well. Yeah, that's a good point, Casey. I think just more reps, more hands-on, more street knowledge in the actual courses and curriculum uh, would definitely be helpful, um, which is actually, ironically, it's kind of what I'm doing some of my dissertation on. I'm trying to bring more awareness and more use of uh, ser service-based learning into PT curriculum because I think it's a good opportunity, you know, to go out and do a community service project in the community in order to learn as opposed to sitting in a class and watching a lecture. Um, I know it's a lot more work on the professor's side, you know, and uh, on, you know, the teacher side of things because there's a lot more planning and organizing, but I think the students would benefit and the community benefits too. So that's kind of what I'm working on here. But, um, uh, you guys realizing that, you know, of course, each program is different. What, what are your opinions of the current candidacy criteria for entrance into DPT programs? Casey, you got this one first, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so entering the P so entering DPT programs, now it's hard to get in, and rightly so. Uh, we talked about this on a few of our live videos and podcasts, but many people drop out of PT school because they are not uh, ready for its intensity. And that scenario um, of people who drop out, those people took the spot of somebody else who would have cherished PT school and would have not taken it for granted. Therefore, now I understand why PT schools want a high GPA and so many observation hours, strong reference letters, good GRE scores, interviews, etc. They want to know that they are making or they are investing in the right person because, you know, they get paid for every student in their program. And if a student drops out, that's money lost. So, so many schools are doing a great job of not only looking at GPA and looking at the whole applicant because, as we know, GPA is not everything. And, and there are so many of our followers who would be killer DPT students, but they just don't have that high GPA that, that schools are looking for. So 
Um, I would also add that PT schools see reapplicants as strong candidates because reapplying takes a lot of grit and determination. So these students who are reapplying are making huge changes to get into PT school and they are showing that they are serious about this profession. So um, if those PT schools and faculty who are out there, if they're getting some reapplicants who are showing up on their desk, I highly recommend that you take those applicants very seriously. Man, Casey took the answer right out of my mouth. My mouth actually, my biggest point was even talking about the second time applicants. Uh, the main reason why that even came to my head is because our, our podcast that just came out uh, was highlighting that aspect as well. But I think um, in in the search process for PT schools to identify which students are appropriate for their program, uh, we have to be honest in saying that not all programs are perfect. I mean, they're ran by humans and we make mistakes and whatnot, but they have set up systems by which they can identify, um, you know, to the best of their abilities, which students are appropriate um, to get into the programs. But I do feel like there are times when, when the system does fail the right student. Um, and I'm saying that because, uh, for example, uh, Casey and I go to Andrews University, right? And so at our university, the way it works is, man, I'm about to put my university on blast right now, but it's all good. Um, at our university, they have something called a freshman acceptance system. So what that is, is if you got your bachelor's degree there and you're doing your three plus three, your four plus three, uh, whatever it is, if you if you started your bachelor program at our university and stayed above a certain GPA all the way through your bachelor's program and never went below that level, whether it's a 3.5 or a 3.6 or whatever, never went below it any semester. Like So if one semester you go below it, you lost it. But if you kept that GPA every single semester throughout your bachelor's program um, and met a few other criteria, you would essentially accepted into the program itself um and so that sounds like a easy pass but the truth of the matter is like not a lot of people actually like are able to complete that process all the way through with that like you might have like yeah 50 i was gonna say that sounds a lot harder than yeah, it yeah. seems oh, you yeah. know it's definitely a lot harder than it seems so you might have like 50 students start on it but only like two or three actually get through with it however it is possible for people to fall through the cracks because, I mean, we've seen people come th come to the program and they've been able to maintain that GPA and whatnot, but then they get into the program and they're not cut out for it. And then they're, and, I mean, they end up either dropping the program themselves or they're kicked out of the program because they're not able to meet the, the performance level that's required to stay in the program. And then exactly what Casey was saying is 100% correct in that now you're looking back and you're saying, well, what the heck? Like they took somebody else's seat. Like there's somebody else that had been working their butt off to get into the program. They would have been perfect for it, but now they're not in there. And so I think that there are flaws, um, but that's why I'm also like a big advocate of just the interview system. Um, I, I know some programs don't really do that and that's their own thing. I mean, they can do whatever they want, but I think in an interview, you really do get to hear the individual stories of of different people like Casey and I have personally talked to people like message people called people um, that have had um, scenarios where they're like man I'm applying to all the wrong schools and they end up applying to a school where they never even had an interview and maybe their GPA is okay but they have so many other things that they have done that 
clearly put them miles ahead of every other applicant in their in their class but no one would know had they not you know been interviewed or whatnot and so so i do think that the system is good in that it it does its job of of trying to identify the students that are appropriate for pt programs but i do also think it has its faults and um some of those can be lost through things like that like that uh freshman acceptance or or even not doing interviews and just doing grades because we all know that in physical therapy it's not about just getting good grades and getting your degree you have to actually be able to talk to people you have to actually be able to do certain things i mean if you can't hold a conversation with somebody but you can hold a 4.0 it doesn't mean nothing you're not going to survive as a physical therapist and so there's there's a lot of those things obviously y'all can tell that i can go on a tangent about that but but those are my thoughts as a whole <laughs> Yeah, I think those were a lot of good points there, especially about the candidacy. And, you know, that leads in perfectly to our next question. So, you know, so guys, what do you guys believe is the ideal candidate to get into PT school? And, you know, and what does that student look like? Well, first of all, um, the ideal candidate is named Joseph and Casey. No, I'm kidding. No, um, the, <laughs> the perfect candidate, and Casey can add quite a bit to this, um, I believe, like, first of all, someone who can communicate well, <laughs> like I, we're talking about grades and whatnot, um, or even has the, the desire to really learn how to communicate well, um, because everything that we do, like Casey was just explaining a scenario where we have all this book knowledge, like we know all these big words and all these big terms. But at the end of the day, we're not dealing, we're not treating other therapists. We're not treating other medical professionals. We're treating patients people that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about until we 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 bring it down to their level to what they actually need in that moment and to do that you have to be able to have that um that ability to communicate with them and understand have that emotional intelligence i guess you would call it i think on top of that um you have to have uh someone that knows about the profession and knows where they want to be in uh in the profession as a whole someone who understands their why everyone has a story they're like well i'm coming into physical therapy school because i've always just wanted to help people like i, I heard that one so many times i was like that's a that's a load of crap you know what i'm saying like like you can help people in so many other avenues um but to know your why like there are people that you will listen to them and you will talk to them you'll know oh my goodness based on even why they're here even why they're pursuing physical therapy like I know for a fact that they will be absolutely phenomenal because the thing that drives them, because physical therapy school is not easy. Like we all, we all know that, right? And so because physical therapy school is not easy, one, what's going to push me through that program? Because even if I got into it, it doesn't mean that the same way I got in is how I'm going to stay. Now I've got to work 10 times harder just to stay in the program. And so while I'm in, like what is actually pushing me? And once I'm out, because that's when the real deal starts. Like, how am I able to, to, to take my why, to take my reason for actually serving people, and how can I channel it into everything that I do? And so, people that know their why, people that are aware of what the profession is and have goals for their own career, because I think that really tells you a lot about um, how someone's going to do in the program. Obviously, we have the basics like grades and whatnot because it is a rigorous academic process so i know for a lot of people like school is tough and they're able to communicate and i know there are ways to kind of bring the two together but i think that is an important aspect to remember in that uh 
in that grades are also something that is good to kind of work on, to really practice being diligent on academics and whatnot, because you want to get through the program itself as well, so that you're not taking the seat of somebody else that maybe wants it worse than you do. Um, but those are some of the some of the points that I think are crucial for someone who's applying for physical therapy school. Yeah, Joseph, that's a great point. It reminds me of that Simon Sinek book, uh, Start With Why. You know, I feel like if pre-PT students read that book before going or attempting to go to PT school, that might help them make the decision, is this even right for me? You know, maybe it's not. Maybe they go a different route. But I think, like you said, finding that why behind, you know, not just, oh, I want to help people. Like, that's generic. That's not going to get you too far, you know? Um so, yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, Casey, what about you being in school currently? What are some of the students surrounding you? I mean, yourself, obviously, is a prime example of the perfect candidate. But what about some of your, your students that are, you know, in classes with you? What do they look like? What is, what is like, a great student in your, your class look like? You don't have to name names. Just, you know, give me the, give me the, uh, give me the rundown of, you know, you know, some good attributes that you're seeing. Yeah, well, like you said, me, of course, and all that good stuff. But... <laughs> but like like Joseph said, grades are still very important. Like, don't let me fool you. Don't let whatever you see me doing fool you. I worked my butt off to have a very good grade point average, uh, especially in my first year of PT school. So, you know, maybe above, let's just arbitrarily call it a 3.2, 3.3. Of course, it can be higher or something like that. But a good GPA is fundamental. Grades are still important. You have to have the knowledge base and the study skills to survive PT school. After that, I would say observations with someone with at least, let's say, 50 observation hours. Of course, it can be higher. There's people out there with 300, 500, 1,500 uh, observation hours. But in my opinion, I don't think it needs to be like 300 plus hours or anything like that. But what I do believe is that the ideal candidate uh, in regards to observation hours is at least four to five different PT settings. So I'm not so much concerned about the hours as I am concerned about the variety of physical therapy that the student is exposed to. Because a student can have 500 hours in an outpatient clinic, but that doesn't mean the student really knows everything that PT has to offer. Uh, so after that, I would say the ideal candidate would also have a job with some experience in customer service, because like I mentioned before, you have to have some sort of communication skills and, and customer service skills, because we are in the service business, whether it seems like it or not. Um, so after that, lastly, I would say discipline. Uh, PT school is serious, and you need to have every part of, every part of your life uh, intact and organized and have good time management and all those things to be successful in PT school. So that kind of sums up my ideal candidate that's awesome guys i think those were some really really great points and you know i'll share another one too because one of my good friends who works actually in a program he works with the admissions committee and he said another thing that really seems to blow him away what he looks for in a candidate is someone who is actually very current with the pt field in terms of like they're following the news and the events that are going on within the pt the apta and stuff and he's like whoa holy cow if someone can say that stuff that just blows me away. They're at a level, like they truly care. And I thought that was a really good, interesting, t interesting point. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, it all just comes down to being a kind of a people person, you know, being able to communicate, being able to hold conversations, being able to answer whatever questions they throw at you in a relatively, you know, smooth and natural manner, you know. Um, you don't always have to be right. Not every answer is right. It's just what you believe and what you think and being able to communicate that, you know. 
Um, guys, kind of changing gears a little bit here, what are some of the most common questions you see in the pre-doctor physical therapy students group uh, on, on the Facebook page there? And, and what, what are your guys' responses to that question? Man, they've actually, those questions have actually kind of changed um, over time. Uh, we obviously get a lot of PT cast questions. Um, a lot of them are because everyone's kind of in the application process. Um, and so those, those do vary because that could be everything from like, when I get to this point, what does it mean here? Or now that I've sent out my this, that, and the other for the people that will give my recommendation or whatnot, like, do I wait? And I mean, they all vary. There's so many different aspects of PTCast that we're getting questions of that all the time. And so that's a common one. But we've gotten, um, we had a wave where we were getting a lot of questions on letters of recommendation. Um, and so kind of what should be going into it, how they should be going about it. Um, observation hours, um, we had quite a few on those, uh, just kind of figuring out like locations and whatnot. But it really does kind of vary. And I think that's the beauty of the pre-doctor of physical therapy uh, students page because Casey and I and the pre-PT grind have gotten specific questions coming straight through pre-PT grind but then putting people in an avenue where you have other PT students other uh, clinicians and other pre-PT students as well in the same location I mean heck they're, they're answering each other's questions without us even being there and so they have kind of uh, varied um, and so, I don't know, Casey, have you seen any more consistent ones lately that are uh, outside of just kind of those waves? All right. So so we get so many questions that are specific to, like, each person's concerns and problems. So there has to be a lot of context that I ask for surrounding the question to give a proper answer. Um, however, if I had to choose some to give your audience, like, a general picture of the questions we're getting, it's mainly about... Uh, PT cast and missions and stuff like that. So it's the height of PT cast season right now, and and many students' questions are application specific. So they're like, can I submit or e-submit this application without this or without that? You know, things like that. Without uh, taking this class or without that GRE score or without these observation hours. Um, so questions like that that we need a lot of context for. So. In regards to that, or questions like that, our answer is yes, you can submit your PTCAST application without having some things in. PTCAST has a list of things that can be changed after the application. So if, if it's submitted and if their question falls within those guidelines, then yes, they can submit. So that's a basic answer to that. Uh, other, big, other bigger questions are, how do I get volunteer hours? How do I get a PT tech job? Is the cost of PT school worth it? Uh, we also get a lot of PT cast essay questions, or we used to, and that's why we came up with this idea called the PT essay or pay it forward exchange where the student gives us a Facebook review so we can increase our ratings and, and reach more students like them. And in return, we give them unlimited essay reviews or resume views to help them out. So in regards to that, and in, in regards to their PTCAST essays, the main problem I'm seeing is that a lot of people are going over the, there's a 4,500 character limit uh, that they give you. You cannot go over that. So a main problem I'm seeing is that uh, they are going over that limit, not following the directions. Then after that, they are not being very personal in their personal 
essay. That's pretty so crazy to think about, Casey, because, yeah. I mean, with this yeah. new generation, Twitter and all, you should be limiting your characters, you would think, right? <laughs> yeah, the, so, so the, prompt, <laughs> the prompt is like how to be a professional DBT student and all that. And every time, the first thing I do is, is highlight all the words and go to word count. And I'm like, well, did you follow directions? And in that case, are you being a professional DPT student as in following directions? And a, and a lot of the times they're just rambling on and on and not paying attention to the first direction or one of the first directions. Uh, so that's one of the first things I look for then. And after that, I make sure they're being personal and I make sure that they are showing that they are already exemplifying things of a, of a DPT student or a professional DPT student now and whatever they're doing. So a lot of the times I'm hearing that they're saying things that they think the applications board or the admissions board wants to hear in regards to applying, but they're not being personal and telling their own story, which will actually set them apart. So those are some things or those are some big questions that we see all the time. Yeah, no, I think those are some good, good things. And, you know, guys, I know another question that I'm sure has come up, maybe not the height of PT cast season, but the question of, you know, should I become a PT, you know, has probably come up numerous times throughout the social media um, platforms that you guys are on. And I know you guys did a really good episode not too long ago with Jerry Durham in which he kind of provided some questions that people should ask themselves to kind of figure that out. And, you know, I'm curious as to what are your guys' take on this based on, you know, what you what you know and kind of what you've learned. Honestly, um, with our episode with Jerry Durham, um, I think <laughs> the biggest thing that we learned was, I mean, heck, PT school is not for everybody. Physical therapy is not for everybody. And that comes with, with identifying, first of all, why the heck you're even doing it. Um, and so, so with us as pre-PT grind, um, and obviously just what we're trying to do, um, yes, we're trying to get people into physical therapy school, but honestly like we said it from like before even pre-pt ground was really formulated we did say that a win for us is either getting someone through the process of getting into physical therapy school if it's for them but on the other hand if it's not for them if we deter them away from it and having them realize that um early on uh before they get themselves into trouble with getting themselves into a profession that they actually don't really care much for um, then that's also a good thing. That's also a win because we've helped them kind of analyze that for themselves. And so, um, yeah, it's a it's a real question. I think it's it's good to address and it's good to know uh, whether it is for you or not for you now and not waiting till uh, you're 10 years into the profession and then saying, oh, shoot, like I'm only here because I'm trying to pay off my loans. And if I wasted three years and I'm $150,000 in the debt, I guess I have to be a physical therapist now, but I'm really not doing what I would rather do. And so even when we did our interview with Jerry, I remember uh, when he pulled Casey and I aside in Clearwater, when we were uh, kind of asking him if he wanted to come on the podcast or whatever, he was like, y'all, like, you guys might not want to hear what I want to say on your podcast. Like I might actually say some stuff that will deter people from PT if it's not for them. I'm like, perfect. I mean, Casey was like, that's exactly what we would love, you know what I mean? So so I think it's a relevant question. And I think for us, it really just comes down, and what we discuss, it comes down to really doing your homework ahead of time. Uh, knowing like all the aspects of whether it's physical therapy, the profession, um, understanding why it is that you're there, understanding what you want to do with it. Is it a vehicle for you to actually being able to 
to accomplish what your goals are, whether that's helping people uh, recover um, health-wise. Is it just because you want to get into like physical fitness or anything like that? If you want to work with just sports, we just had a podcast uh, with an athletic trainer where we, well, with a strength coach, where we saw that you don't actually have to do physical therapy if you want to just work with with athletes, whether you want to go pro or college or high school or whatever. And so, like doing that homework ahead of time really is a big is a big deal um, prior to to applying for physical therapy school and uh, you know just kind of visiting that question like through and through before jumping on the ship uh, because once you're on it's a very expensive ride to come off of so yeah so i think they have to figure that question out for themselves like i can't i can't tell them if it's right for them or not all i can really do is present them with the most information i can good and bad and then have them base their decision off that now in my opinion yes if if everything lines up and you're in pt for the right reasons then yes you should become a pt and why I wanted my ideal candidate for PT school to get a variety of observation hours is because many, if not all, pre-PT students have no idea of the vast scope of everything a PT can do. So if pre-PT and PT students, their population in general, really knew everything that they can do as a doctor of physical therapy, then maybe that question about should I become a PT uh, would not really be as relevant. You know, so so can... You can help as many people as you want, as you desire. So you can make as much money as you want as well. Uh, you can teach as many students as you can handle if you want to go that route. And, and for example, you can work as a pediatrics PT, then go work with a high school sports team after you clock out. You can own a clinic, work for UPS, or consult for UPS after that. You can create apps for physical therapy, then work with a spinal cord patient part-time or something like that. So there's so much you can do with your investment into becoming a PT. It really just depends on what you want to do and if you're going to actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that That's one of the things I love about the field of physical therapy is there's so many avenues that you can take. Um, and I think you di- you guys do a really good job of, of keeping your minds open to some different avenues that might not seem physical therapy related at first, but really when you break it down, it, it, it very easily can kind of delve into the physical ther- therapy realm. Um, guys, with your relatively new project, the Pre-PT Grind podcast, and with managing the Pre-Doctor of Physical Therapy students page, what strategies have you guys found are the best ways to teach Pre-PT students or, or potential Pre-PTs uh, on getting into PT school? Um, that's a, the reason why I like that question is because I've, I've had the chance of meeting a few people that have started following Pre-PT Grind in person that I didn't know that they were. They were like, hey been listening to your podcast or whatnot i've been thinking about getting into physical therapy school um and so when we ask them and even when they get into the pre-doctor of physical therapy students page there there's a list of questions where they kind of we identify how they found out about the page and whatnot and and as i've talked personally to a few people they've really gravitated to several things and so uh for some people they've actually enjoyed the videos which which we've taken a short break from but we're going to get back to doing um, some actually enjoy the podcast more so because they like just kind of driving and listening and learning that way. Um, other individuals have, have contacted us personally. And so it's been a one-on-one conversation, kind of walking them through how to navigate whatever it is they're trying to figure out at the moment, whether it's getting into PT school, whether they're 
just in college trying to put things together, whether they're trying to, you know, apply now and they're working on the little um, nitty gritty. And so I think really it's just kind of identifying what the learning styles are and knowing that there's a lot of them. And for a lot of different people, it's going to vary. And as we get more into video with CreepyT Grind, um, I think that will serve a bigger audience. But we've tried to teach in so many other aspects than just uh, one one thing. And I know we started with podcasts, but we are trying to branch out. And so as we're going, obviously, we're, we're probably getting our most traction with the podcast right now. But <laughs> as we jump into everything else, as we start doing blogs again and and those things, we will see that, I mean, a lot of people are learning in different ways. And I think right now it's audio, obviously, but video is a big, big deal in social media. And so that's that's going to uh, weigh quite a bit uh, when we kind of get back into that. Yeah, I think one of the best ways where we're teaching pre-PT students is by giving and just giving everything we have for free. Like all the greats are doing it. All the greats like Brandon Poen and F. Scott are giving information for free. Those and, legends. And we, yeah. <laughs> so it's, Taking a page out of Gary Vaynerchuk's book, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So giving and leading by example. Uh, now, pre-PTs are no different from anyone else in, in any industry. People will respond and gravitate to the people who are giving them the most love, attention, time, resources. And, and that's what we're trying to do, whether it's in podcasts, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, personal calls, personal emails, whatever it is, uh, we're trying to give as much information out um, to our students because that was us. And next, leading by example, because none of our followers would be listening to us as seriously as they do if we haven't already walked the path that they're walking. So if we remember, uh, like, when we were applying to PT school, we would do anything to be in the place of those first years we saw, right? Uh, you know, who just got out of cadaver lab. We were like, man, if I can just be that guy right there, my life would be set. So, so DPT students... Right now, um, they want to be you, F. Scott. Like they want to be, they're dying to be in your place, Brandon. And, and that's, and we can't take that for granted. And we, so that's why I'm, I'm saying the one of the best ways that we can teach the, the, the students coming up behind us is by leading by example because they're watching. They are watching. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you guys being definite role models in that field, and you know, doing all these things and walking the walk is. You know, very inspiring because people. You're right. People totally want to relate and follow someone that they're really that kind of um, signifies what they want. And I think that's a very, very good point with that. So, guys, we like to wrap up each episode by posing this question to all of our guests. And if you guys could change one aspect of healthcare education, DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change, and how would you change it? I'm not gonna lie, y'all. This is probably one of the, it's probably one of the tougher questions um, in in this interview, uh, because personally, I kind of feel like I go through the academic process. And I'm like, well, I don't like that, but I like that, and I just kind of deal with it, and I just get through it. So I'm like, well, eventually school will be done. Um, however, really looking back, I think uh, one aspect, and there are a number of things, and, and and don't get me wrong, like I love I love the academic system. Everything designed always has benefits and and some flaws, but that's just because uh, they're designed by human beings. And so uh, for myself, I think one thing that that I would change is just the implementation of, of 
of education in a manner that kind of uh, values the different learning styles of, of students. So the reason why I'm saying that is because I, I realized that in our program, once again, we had a time where, where they took this survey that was supposed, to, and I don't know, Casey, if they did that with you, but they took this survey that was essentially supposed to kind of tell us what our learning styles were, and then the school took a note of it. And the problem was they took it at the end of a particular semester. And so I was saying to myself, well, why are they doing this if, if they can't really use it? But then I figured, well, maybe they'll start implementing it later on. But they never really did. It just kind of disappeared. And they talked to us about it and they said, well, a percentage of you are visual learners and a percentage of you are this, that, and the other. But I think that we come into the academic setting, we're all ready to grind. We're all ready to work hard. But we also do learn differently, and I feel like because of how the academic, how the academic system is, it is really tailored to one style of learning. Um, it also depends on the teacher. But anyway, that's just me, and I feel like um, if we if we were able to kind of balance that out, and it it really comes down to the teacher getting to the student's level. Um, and I know some of the best teachers I had during the physical therapy program were the teachers that actually took the time to really kind of dialogue with me personally and kind of understand what I needed and what I was looking for and really taking the time out of their day, you know, outside of, you know, the lecture time or whatnot um, to really kind of help me figure that out. So I love that. But I feel like that would be one aspect that I would change. And I know the the how is the tough part um, because it really depends on how the program is situated, how the system is, whether it's uh, if you have more visual learners, obviously you kind of take the balance. So if it's a majority of visual, you kind of implement more of that. If it's uh, more hands-on learners, you, you implement more of that. Just really, and with physical therapy, I think most of us are really hands-on. Like, we just like to be out there doing things. Like, whether it's seeing patients, whether it's kind of bringing people from the community in to really, like, as we're learning things with Nero, bring in a stroke patient and have us actually, like, like deal with them as we're learning and whatnot. And so um, I think that's one thing that I would really say. Um, that's really specific to physical therapy school, I know. Uh, but with with higher learning um, that I would change or implement. Yeah, so I love PT school. I would not be on this podcast if I wasn't in PT school. Uh, but the cost, man, it's the cost uh, is the thing I would change. Or at least the cost during clinical rotations where we're not in the classroom anymore. Uh, so eliminate or reduce tuition during that time. Or at least, here, here's maybe, who knows, I'm not sure what happened, but just an idea. Allow part of the tuition that we've already paid in the past to be used for travel or living expenses during internships or something like that. Like pay out a stipend from the, intern, from the tuition we already paid and let us use some of that. Um, so, so yes, I understand it takes work to place students in internships and it takes liability insurance and probably a bunch of stuff I don't even know that goes into it. But... I'm sure we're not using anywhere near the resources we were using when we were in the classroom and in the building and, and stuff like that. So I know some schools already do some 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 sort of stipends for their students, which is great. And I hope to see more of that in other programs. But if schools really care about their students and the future of the profession instead of their bottom line of making money, uh, this can easily help the financial well-being of the future colleagues in there because we are going to be their future colleagues in, in PT. Um, or in this case, we might be the PTs treating them or their loved ones in the very near future, right? So 
I don't think any of them would like uh, one of us or another PT to come into work every day uh, treating someone who is hating their job because of the financial situation they're in, because of that professor or because of that school program, right? So, so I think if that financial stress was taken off in some way during, in some way, shape or form, that the patient would ultimately be the one who benefits the most because the, the, the physical therapist would be in a much better state of mind. They would not be in as much financial stress. And I think pa- better patient outcomes will eventually uh, come out of that in the long run. So if it was, if it would be one thing I could change, it would be most likely the cost. Yeah. Oh. Amen, brother. I love it. I love it. Great points, guys. Um, well, guys, thanks so much for your time and thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Like I said, I mean, I just am so enamored by you guys and what you're doing while in PT school. I was just trying to keep my head above float most of the time there. So, you know, shout out to you guys for doing really great things, really positive things in the field of physical therapy and really giving back already at such a young stage in your career. I love it. Um, would you mind telling our guests or our audience rather about where they can find you online and in social media? Uh, well, for myself, you guys can, I mean, if you just type in Joseph, J-O-S-E-S, uh, last name N-G-U-G-I, Googie, if you guys can type that in on, on any platform, whether it's, well, really just Facebook um, and Instagram right now, um, you guys will find me and you guys can uh, follow me there. Um, my website is jointpurposefit.com. Uh, jointpurposefit.com you guys will see most of my blogs and other posts that I have that are more personal on there you guys can uh, find me there obviously pre-PT grind anything Uh, you guys can find us on our business page uh, which is the pre-PT grind on Facebook the pre-doctor physical therapy students page um, our Instagram page um, our Twitter page you guys can find me on all those platforms yeah for myself you can find me at caseycolemanpt.wordpress.com that's C-A-S-E-Y-C-O-L-E-M-A-N-P-T, as in physical therapy, dot wordpress dot com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see all my social media handles there or icons to follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, um, all that good stuff. And that's where you can find me. Hope to see you around. Yeah, Casey and Joseph, thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank you, pleasure guys. Course. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, Extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.